0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former bicycle lane road striper. I don't know if you've seen some of these these bike lanes that they've been putting around in different places in uh, in our cities and now and even residential zones. Have you seen these where they got rid of all the parking spaces for people who are shopping at the businesses to put in bike lanes in Southern California where nobody's riding bikes? And there's a neighborhood in Mira Mesa area, San Diego, where they decided to put in bike lanes on each side of the road and get rid of the car lanes altogether. So now there's only one lane in the middle of the road where that has two way traffic. So it's not a one way street. Now they have big bike lanes on both sides of the road and two way traffic in the middle with signs posted to tell you how to not have a head on collision with the cars that are coming. Signs that describe how you have to move out of the way. These things aren't these things don't. It's not like one guy coming up with this who just kind of has a weird thought. No, no individual would do this. There is not one individual who thinks this is a good idea. But a group of individuals together have decided, you know what would be a good idea? Let's put bike lanes in a city where nobody rides a bike to work and uh, have people just have head-on collisions in the middle of it. And the thing is, is that if you <laughs> – I'm not even kidding. You could just look that up. I'm not. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? I, I don't understand. Anyway, I was just going to, I'm just pointing that out for now. We're not really going to talk about this. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We're on from three to five each and every weekday, bringing you to the table for encouragement, some fun, funny stories, some questions about humanity and the answers that we have through Christ. And I'm glad that we can do that uh, to look at the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And we welcome you to join us and join the conversation. The number is 888 L.A. Talks is what that turns out to be, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can call and join the conversation at any time you like. You can also... Email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I know many of you are sitting there at your desk and uh, you're saying, uh, what are you talking about, Scott? I ride my bike to work. Do we do that? I don't think we do that so often here in uh, Southern California. I think that there's a, a mindset that we should. If you live if you live near your workplace, maybe that's a good idea. Uh, but if you've got to you know go 50 miles, you're not going to do that. And so a lot of us have to do that. That's just the way it goes. SoCalLive at KKLA.com socal live at kkla.com if you want to email me once again the phone number is 888-528-2557 all right we're going to go through a lot of different things in the news today and uh just try to take a look at it i think one of the hardest stories the harshest stories is what we're seeing in ukraine as the russian troops are i don't know if they're retreating at first people thought oh maybe they're they're retreating going back to russia maybe it's over but i think they're just resetting themselves they got caught they went into Ukraine. I think it's probably true that they believed that they would take over the whole country, take over the capital of Kiev in a matter of days, and that Zelensky would actually leave. And, um, and then it, and the country probably would have fallen. It would have been like Afghanistan. Remember the leader of Afghanistan? Uh, he said, no, I'm staying. Then he took all the money and he left. Uh, if Zelensky would have done that, uh, this would be a different story. I think Putin would have been right not right morally, but correct, I should say, in his anticipation of what's going to happen. But that did not occur. And Ukraine has fought back. And at this point, uh, they're winning by not losing. Uh, But the only way to look at it that way is if you're looking at it from the standpoint of keeping score in a war. But Ukraine is losing a lot and terrific, horrific loss of life. And what we are seeing as if you've seen the videos and the pictures and don't watch them with your, your kids, some of them are are pretty disgusting and there are reporters embedded with the troops going out. And so we can see these pictures, you know, sometimes in war, these things are made up, right? I I did see a bunch of pictures recently with a bunch of supposedly dead people in the background with, with, you know, they were in body bags or something, but somebody got too hot in there. So he unzipped it and got out during the middle of the broadcast. So that was propaganda, you know, but what we're seeing is pretty terrible. Um, and it's war crimes. Um, war crime seems like a funny thing that there would be rules to wars but the reason is is you have to have some way you have to have some way to try to refrain to try to hold back the evil of mankind and that's what we're seeing horrific images and stories coming out of ukraine where what's happened is these russian i almost said soviet again the russian soldiers that are in these towns are just shooting everybody in the head, executing people, doing torturing people, putting people in basements, killing them, piling people up. They're, they are raping. They are pillaging. And these are the Russian soldiers that are doing this, and they're, they're backing off probably to regroup and then have a different plan. That could be what's happening. That's what most people think is happening, and it's horrific. And it's something that we do see around the world once in a while in different wars. This is the first time we've seen it in Europe since World War II. And maybe that's why it seems a little closer uh, to us, but it's really, really terrible. You know, once in a while, we like to do a series in church where we read through the Bible. Have you ever just read through the Bible? One of the things that you realize when you read through the Bible is that there is a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that is pretty grotesque, that is pretty awful, that is, it's hard to read it. It's hard for people to see that in the Bible. But what's happening is the Bible is just simply reporting on what really is out there, on how life really is. And one of the things that if you just sat down and you read Genesis through Revelation and you get into Joshua and Judges and you start to read some of the stories about the wars and the violence, and then you look at the news and you look at the heart of mankind today, you realize that the Bible is incredibly relevant, that this is the capability of human heart in sin in any culture at any time that is not so ancient and barbaric, we are looking at the, the just disgusting evil of human beings and what they are capable of. Uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky went to the United Nations today and he gave a different kind of talk. You know, he's been speaking to a lot of governments out there, our government, and begging for, for weapons and begging for greater involvement and he did something that I think is really important. He pointed out that if the United Nations is not able to punish Russia, not able to gather the world together to fight against these atrocities, then it should just dissolve itself. What's the point? Lots of people have said that for a long time. And it's such a strange organization. The United Nations Security Council is what he said, that they should remove Russia from the Security Council. The United Nations Security Council is a rotating group of countries, except that some countries, Russia the United States, China are always on it, and they have what's called veto power. So they get one, one of five permanent members of the United Nations Security Council, and they get to veto anything that the council would authorize if they want to. Well, with Russia on there, they can just veto any action that the United Nations might recommend. What if the United Nations decided, you know what, we are going to send in military and work with countries to come in and stop this killing? Well, Russia can just veto it, and then it doesn't just veto it, and then it doesn't happen. And he's saying, if Russia is the one doing the killing, if Russia is the one doing all the atrocities, how can they even be on there? And interestingly, the president of the United Nations Security Council that rotates and the president of that council during February when the invasion started was Russia. And just it's just the oddest thing that the world understands that there are that there's going to be war and atrocities and that we ought to work together to to resolve it. But we have a big problem. And I think the problem is we are not allowed to point out evil for what it is. And we can't do that because the United Nations, like really most secular governments, most governments, is atheistic. And if you don't believe there's a God, then you have everybody kind of on the same playing field. And at the end of the day, the powerful are just going to stomp on those who are not as powerful. See, that's the way it works. You know, how is it? I'm asking myself as I watch this. How is it that the Russian soldiers are capable of this? You know, Putin, we hear he's in in his ivory tower and maybe he's been locked up because he's afraid of the COVID. Maybe he's crazy. Maybe he had all these theories, right? Maybe all the people around him are lying to him about how the war is going, which is possible. All of that is possible. But still, you would think that a group of soldiers together, realizing that this invasion is been put to them for bogus reasons or realizing that even if they believe the reasons, even if they believe the Russian idea that Ukraine is a bunch of Nazis and we're just going to liberate all these people from the Nazis, you would think that they would go in there. And even if they still believe that, they're still not going to torture and murder innocent people. But that's what they're doing. And it's house to house. It is a disgusting scene. It's a terrible thing. And we're just watching it happen. And that was Zelensky's point. He said that we must do everything in our power to pass on to the next generation an effective UN. Like a lot of people, including the United States, that said it from time to time, what's the point of the UN if it doesn't stop these kinds of atrocities? That's what it's there for. The UN exists because of Adolf Hitler and the world's inability to come out of World War One with any kind of unity to stop madman from doing the horrific things. And it doesn't seem to have any more power today. It is just ineffective, and it shouldn't be that way. But I'm telling you, from this perspective, from my perspective, a biblical perspective, is it's very difficult to have any moral authority in the world at all if you don't believe there is a higher moral authority than yourself. See, the, the, the United Nations sees itself as the moral authority, Right. They're the moral authority of the world, and yet they put the most vicious regimes in the United Nations Security Council, and this time allowing that council to, those people to veto actions against their own immoral actions. That's the world without God. If you wonder why, you know, soldiers are capable of doing this in different times, we've seen it in in different places in history. We have had cases in our own country occasionally Abu Ghraib and things like that, where we've seen soldiers do some terrible things, not like this. And that caused us a whole lot of problem, by the way. We lost a lot of credibility in the world because of some of those things. It matters how we act. This happens, though, in a country like Russia, because this is the result of the human condition when there is no God. And that is the foundation of Russia for the last hundred years or more, a godless communism that didn't teach anything right in a culture. It affects the entire culture. And if there's no God, there's no reason ultimately to be humane except the fear of a more powerful influence influence, giving you pain. That's it. There's not a moral reason if there is no God. If the state is the highest of all authority and you believe in your own state, then you have the authority to do whatever you want morally. And that is what we're seeing. And it's really, really horrible. I don't know how we're going to deal with it because I understand that the reason, the bigger reason we're not doing it is because Putin has nukes and we don't know if he's going to fire him off. And we're afraid, we are afraid, definitely afraid, that uh, if we move against Putin, if we go into Ukraine, that we're going to cause more death and destruction because he's just going to launch those nukes or he's going to use chemical weapons or do something else that will cause mass mass death. And he might, he might do that. That's the world we live in. My friends, let us not be surprised. Go to your Bible, read what the Bible has to say about human human beings and what human beings do. I think the reason that there are parts of your Old Testament that's in there, that's God inspired, that is so violent and that just seems so wrong to some people when they read it is because that is the world we live in. And we should understand that God understands the world we live in. This is why we need a savior. This is the evil of sin. This is something that we should not be surprised, that human beings in their heart are capable of such atrocities. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah seventy-nine, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I can't understand it. I can't understand how anybody could do this just to innocent people. They're not shooting. They're not, it's not a shooting war they're having with these civilians. These civilians are in their homes, and they're breaking into the homes in many cases, they are not armed. I'm sure that there are cases where they're shooting and they get shot at, and that's what happens in war. But there are cases that – and what we're seeing is that this has not been the case, that people just trying to live their life among their occupiers, and their occupiers are just killing them. 888 if you want to join this conversation. The question I'm asking is, is this – how can this be? Does this surprise you? You know, Are you surprised at the level of, of hatred and violence and sickness that is being reported out of, out of Ukraine? Is this something that you didn't imagine that human beings were capable of doing? Or maybe you thought it was people who had different, you know, different, different parts of the world, people we label as terrorists. That was another point that Zelensky made is that if you were part of, in another part of the world, we'd call you a terrorist for doing this. Why aren't we calling these people terrorists? It makes, you know, it's a good argument. Jeremiah tells us that the Lord searches the heart, examines the mind, and He's going to judge us according to our conduct. The Lord knows. The Lord understands who we are. There's Ukrainian seminary dean among those who are shot and left on the street. uh, That's being reported today. Slavic evangelical seminary in Kiev, Ukraine, was among those shot dead. The dean of Slavic Evangelical Seminary in Kiev was among those shot dead by these Russian troops, according to many reports. He was a graduate of the Kiev Bible Institute and Evangel Theological Seminary. We've talked about how Ukraine, interestingly enough, is the top mission-sending country in all of Europe. Did you know that? That Ukraine, of all European countries, Ukraine is the country that is sending more missionaries throughout the world and training more missionaries, Protestant missionaries than any other country in Europe. And that work obviously is, is disrupted. And here we have the Dean of one of the seminaries and there are a lot of good seminaries over there who's been murdered and no doubt very likely his family, very likely a whole lot of other people. And it's just terribly sad. They need our prayers. You know, I feel so helpless in a lot of this. And I think that's why, Zelensky and others will criticize the UN because they're there to help. The place you go for help is the United Nations and they can't do it. The Secretary General of NATO described the scene, the town of of Bucha or Bucha, not sure how you pronounce it. He said it quote brutality against civilians that we have not seen in Europe for decades. It's very grim, it is very dark. Uh, And it's pretty awful. 10.5 million people have been forcibly uh, displaced in Ukraine since February 24th. So about a month and a half. And people are being cut off from help. They are being cut off from their food, from water. One of the concerns is that uh, the Russians might just block off some of these cities from their water, from food, and people will just starve. And that'll be an intentional act. One of the things that is happening is that churches in the area are delivering food to these places, that there are Christians who have chosen to stay, Christians who have chosen to stay back, even though they know there's a good chance of being shot like this seminary professor. One article says a youth leader and evangelist from a church has started a missionary to local soldiers. Every morning he takes tea and small gifts to encourage troops at 15 checkpoints. The soldiers willingly agreed for him to pray with them, and ask them to continue his, his visits. This is what the believers do in a time of war. I don't know if you think about it. I don't know if you feel like you just need to run, if you just need to run from the hard times in our, in our culture today, which are nothing like this. Do you ever feel like that? Do you feel like you just aren't going to make it? Do you feel like this is just too hard? Uh, what we're suffering from in the United States, our concerns about, our fears about, it's obviously nothing would you stay would you stay in a period of war and help out would you help both sides what about your occupying troops would you do that we had a big protest at our our church years ago because we were a a polling place and it was when um i think it was proposition 8 or whatever it was that was the the gay marriage proposition that was on the california battle, uh, ballot a few years ago and because our church was a polling place we had we had kind of violent protesters who were in support of gay marriage on the church parking lot, and what they were doing was not letting people out of their cars. So you'd show up to vote, just random you know, neighborhood people, show up to vote, and they would stand in front of your car door. So you couldn't open your door unless you physically pushed the people out, out of the way. And it was a weird thing because we had to, we called the registrar our voters, and they said, well, is the parking lot 100 yards away from the polling place or 100 feet, whatever the rule is? And we said, well, yeah, it's probably 100 feet. And they said, well, we can't do anything about it. Like, really? You can't? And it was a bad scene. You know what worked is we went out and brought everybody pizza and water and just had a conversation and a calm down. Uh, We weren't agreeing with the position or certainly the tactics of everybody, but it worked. Uh, You know, that's nothing like what's happening in Ukraine. But, you know, one of the tactics that Christians in Ukraine are doing is they're trying to reach out even to the Russian soldiers. Some of them must have a soul. Some of them must have a tug at their heart to say, this isn't right, that what I've been trained, what I've been brought up in, this can't be right. This can't be right at all. It's the church that stays behind and are very often martyred, maybe killed for their faith as a martyr, maybe just killed as an act of war. Would you pray for these people? Keep these brothers and sisters, and they are brothers and sisters. Sometimes I think maybe we, we have a hard time really feeling that but imagine that you have a personal friend a close brother or sister who is in ukraine who you don't know if they're alive or dead many people are finding out that their loved ones are in the piles of bodies that they are finding and if you've seen pictures there's just there's people on the side of the road i saw one where somebody was just obviously shot like right off his bike there are families just shot in the house people in the back backyard people just doing whatever just murdered When you look at these stories, and you're disgusted by them, and you should be, I guess there's two things that I'm saying to you today. Number one, do not be surprised. This is the world we live in. People in World War II, in the Holocaust, people after the war, when they discovered what really was happening in the concentration camps, now there's some thought that uh, the Allies did know a lot of the details and maybe didn't share it. There's a lot of controversy about some of that, but... Once regular people went in and saw the horrific conditions that the Nazis were doing, it was just startling. If you, if you study it, you have to look at that. Go to the Holocaust Museum. If you ever go to Washington, D.C., go to it. And you might say, oh, it's going to ruin my day. Yep, it is going to ruin your day <laughs> because it's so real. I went to an actual concentration camp in, in uh, Europe. I went to uh, Dachau, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the sound of the silence there people couldn't talk i thought we'd probably meet people who maybe were held captive there we didn't instead we just read their stories and we saw the ovens and we saw where the bunks were and you just couldn't believe it this is not the past this is the present this is the condition of the human heart this is what we a world is like without christ without god this is this is hell in a manner of speaking believe that. Believe that the words of God are true, that the salvation that we are so desperately needing, the justice that we need, it's why we have a Savior who had to come and suffer and die. This is why Jesus had to suffer. This is why he couldn't just take a pinprick and drip a little blood and say, okay, I've shed my blood. This kind of evil is why someone had to suffer and die theologically. And the second thing to do is know that it's our brothers and sisters. It's people that you will meet if you're a believer one day in heaven and I don't know if we're going to be able to tell our stories, but uh, we might. And there are some people who are going to say, yeah, I could have fled, but I stayed behind and I helped these people and I tried to reach out to these troops um, and then they murdered me anyway. We need to be praying for them. Would you do that? God, we just pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and all the Ukrainians and the, the hurt and the suffering that they have endured beyond our, our faculty to even imagine and especially, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who might be hiding in fear, whose lives are in jeopardy, and for those who are sharing the gospel and loving people in spite of the danger because they have been called to do this. We thank you, Lord, for them, and we pray for their strength and their courage and that they would have victory in what they are doing. We thank you, Lord, that we are on this team, that you are our God, and that we do not have to fear evil because we know it was defeated on the cross. Help us, Lord, not to be fearful in our own circumstances, whatever they are. Help us to see the world for the way it is to our brothers and sisters, the people we work with, the people who need Jesus, who, dealing with so much, make our churches ministers and disciple-makers of Jesus all throughout our city. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join us. I'll be back with some more right after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. It is a lovely day. It's supposed to get hot this weekend, like super hot, like summer hot. I'm ready. I'm definitely ready for it. Of course, uh, it gets too hot here, kind of like when it gets, you know, too cold, like 60 degrees, we start to to worry a little bit more about it. My my son has a a hike planned as a field trip, and they're canceling it because it might be 90 degrees. All right, I guess you know it's pretty hot, you know. But um, there you go. You know, a well, great thing about Southern California, though, is our weather, and it's why people move here. I've always thought especially right after it rains, and then things are just super clear. Do you ever get an opportunity just to be maybe in downtown L.A. and you look up at the San Gabriels and you go, this place is incredible. This is why people moved here. This is why people love it. When you, just, when you get the rain, you can see all the way of the mountains, and they seem like they're just right next to you. It's beautiful, and especially back in the day when you couldn't see the mountains at all because of the smog most of the time, and you were surprised there were mountains there. I always figured figure that when, when people moved here back in the uh, 60s and 70s and 80s when the smog was super bad, and it is better, interestingly enough. Like, it's there, but it's it's a lot better than it was um, thanks to, like, some clean air things work to get cleaner gas, and it, it actually worked back in the 90s. Uh, that happened. It's getting worse again, I've noticed. But anyway, I remember back in the day that I thought, if you came here in the smoggiest days, back when there was the smog alerts and like a stage two, and uh, they not only cancel the hike for the school, but you can't go outside. Um, that why would you move here? But then it rains and it clears all that off, and you go, "This is one of the most beautiful places on earth." Do people still feel that way about Los Angeles, Southern California? L.A. Mayor Garcetti, who um, eight months ago was tapped to be the ambassador to India, but it's looking like that may not happen. He's going to be uh, mayor for a little while longer or he won't be anything. You know, who knows where that's going to go? Another subject. But uh, he tapped uh, last week, created a tourism cabinet uh, in Los Angeles, a tourism cabinet so that they can try to ascertain how to get the tourism back. Tourists, of course, are gone. It's a funny article because – there's all this despair about all the tourism that uh, went down 50% in 2020. Well, of course it did. Everyone had to stay in their homes. I mean, I just – I don't buy all the statistics that people keep throwing out about the last couple of years if if you're comparing it to before that. You know, um, look at all the job creation we've had the last year. Well, that's because everybody's going back to work after the pandemic. It doesn't mean anything. You have to compare it to 2019, I think, if you're going to – just 2020, 2021, you just got to eliminate it. Anyway – there is a problem with tourism. And uh LA Mayor Garcetti signed an order creating a tourism tourism cabinet and one of the problems is is that the cabinet was broken into and somebody stole all the stuff and they don't know what to do now. Because that's that's what it's <laughs> that's kind of what it's like, right? That's what people think about Southern California. I used to when I'm when I'm dealing with young people in ministry, sometimes they're at my church and they're like 25 but they moved here from somewhere back east. And I cannot even tell you how many phone calls I've had from parents, parents who live, you know, in North Carolina who are calling up and they're worried because their kid's going to get shot because they moved to Southern California because that's the only news they ever hear. Uh, That and uh, the earthquakes, you know, the earthquake that happened somewhere in Redding and then everybody calls you down here because they think uh, you didn't even know about it. Uh, Or it did happen in L.A. and you're like, oh, it's only a five-pointer. We're fine. Everything's fine. What should we do to bring back tourism? in Southern California. What do you think? 888-528-2557. What should we do to help people come back to Southern California to be a tourist? That's a big part of uh, our income. We make a lot of money, a lot of tax money on hotels and the tourist taxes that are in various places and lots of people coming. We have a lot of great things to see. I give people a tour of LA, Scott Ferro tour of LA, and I've navigated it pretty well. I have music. I have music in the car. You know, we go to the Coliseum and we play the Olympic theme from 1984. We get the Olympics again in 2028 if we don't blow it. Uh, That's cool. And uh, that's coming. I play the Olympics and we drive, you know, down Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, sometimes I'll let people out of the car. Other times not. I warn them. (laughs) And it's not as bad as it was, although it's headed back in the wrong direction. We kind of had a blip there where it got really good for a while. And, uh, you know, now you can get out and you can have your picture taken with Spider-Man, but he might mug you. That is definitely possible, and uh, you know you can uh, look at the uh, the stars in the Hall of Fame, Hall uh, the Walk of Fame, and uh, that's kind of cool, I think. Except that now that you know that you know you can just pay enough money and get your own star there. I suppose you could just do whatever, and you've got a star. Maybe that's what we should do. I'll put, <laughs> I'll start a Scott Ferrow star on the the Walk of Fame thing. You know, I don't know where we'll put it. They probably won't put it in front of the Chinese theater. Um, You know, it's crowded there. I noticed that they're doubling up on it, though. You ever walk up and down there? I know it's not really the thing to do. Like, when was the last time, if you live in Los Angeles, that you actually did the tourist things? Right? When was, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of fun. There's a theater there. If you, uh, you know, dodge the bullets, get in the theater, you're fine. Uh, Safe, it's air-conditioned. It's got uh, the good THX sound like it should. It's all good. What do we bring back? How do we bring back tourism in L.A., in Southern California, 888-528-2557? Is the only reason it's down because of the pandemic or is it down for other reasons? I think it's, I think it's down for other reasons. I think we have a, a good sense that it's not safe. In fact, the LAPD has been saying it's not safe. I got it a, a couple of weeks ago. The LAPD put out a warning to people of L.A., uh, because of the spike in citywide robberies, what they they said is this. They said citywide robberies are up eighteen percent year to date compared to last year. Eighteen percent. Uh but that's also pandemic, five percent compared to twenty twenty. So it's up, but it's not as up as much as it seems. We just got used to, with the shutdown, less crime. And I have a theory for that. I was talking to a police officer in the in the shutdown and uh, I said, are you guys busy at all? He said, no, we're not We're not that busy because everybody's home, right? Even the thieves were, were staying home. And I, my theory was is that the reason you're not busy is because everybody's got a mask on at the gas station. And uh, when a real thief shows up to the gas station to rob it, he thinks that somebody already beat him to it because there's somebody in there in a bandana across their face and they're already robbing it. And so he just – and that person was just buying their gas, turns out. But uh, the masks are gone, and uh, so the thieves are, are coming back. Uh, citywide robberies this year, according to LAPD, are up uh, 36%, um, or they've accounted for 36% of all robberies and 74% of the city's year-to-day total robbery increase. And uh, because of all of this, uh, we got these nice these warnings from the LAPD. My favorite one probably being this, uh, don't wear your jewelry out. Uh, don't put any jewelry on, do not walk down the street in your jewelry, uh, do not wear anything that might cause someone to mug you. And uh, to me, you know, do you do that? Do you just leave the uh, leave your watch at home, your rings at home? <laughs> that is for real, that is for real. It reminds me of a time I used to work for um, a big company. I shouldn't mention the name of the company, I suppose, a big government contractor. Uh, its initials were SAIC. And that company was a monster when I was there. It's broken up into several different ones. But I worked in the in the government media relations department and in the telecommunications department. And one of my jobs was to prepare people for their trips that would take them around the world. They would go to all kinds of countries. And I had this little booklet. It was published by uh, AT&T, this travel, this travel guide. And it said crazy stuff about different countries that you would go to. And it would warn Business people, hey, if you're going to this country, here's what you should know. Some of my favorite ones, it says, do not deviate from any printed directions. Do not leave the main roads. And it would say, some countries, it would say, you're going to these countries, do not leave the hotel. One of the funniest ones was do not, and this was going to Saudi Arabia, and it said, do not discuss Middle East politics. (laughs) And it gave this whole description. When you're in the hotel lobby, do not discuss Middle East politics. Do not talk about it at all. And uh, I decided to uh, make my own for uh, Southern California because people came to, to visit us, right? eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. if you want to call and join this conversation. How do we bring tourists back? Maybe they just need a guide. All right. I wrote that federal regulations mean that all airports in the country must have a construction project. So you will likely need a f- extra 30 minutes just to figure out where the rental car drop-off is. And uh, if you're coming to LAX, be advised, you will not want to have a layover in LAX. You have made a bad choice. This is not a fun airport. This is not an airport where you can go terminal to terminal and watch things. This is an airport where you probably should bring your own lunch. And uh, I know they're trying to improve it. I hope that they do. But uh, if you've been to some other airports, remember when Donald Trump was running for president, he started complaining about... LaGuardia and LAX, all these airports. And people said, what are you complaining about those for? I thought, no, he's right. I've been to these places. They're terrible. How can we have airports like this? Um, if you are in San Diego and you are driving in what was called, if you're familiar with San Diego area and you're in the hotel circle, I wrote this, um, you will see your freeway, your, you will see your hotel uh, from the freeway you'll easily see it from the freeway and that's nice unfortunately that'll be as close as you'll ever get to the freeway because you cannot navigate the roads to find it so just pull into whatever hotel you find first and stay there uh, that is the idea how do we bring tourists back to uh, to California to Los Angeles eight 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 five two eight two five five seven eight 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 five two eight two five five seven this is the Tuesday edition of soCal live we'll be right back Welcome back. Southern California live. Great to be with you. We're talking about how to bring back tourism to uh, our great city. We're really talking about the crime and the uh, things that are, that are going on here. LAPD is telling residents not to wear their pricey jewelry out in public. And the increase of violent crime is pretty significant in uh, really all of the major cities in our state. Um, San Francisco, it's much worse up there, but in Los Angeles, uh, depends on what article you read. 44% rise, another newspaper is saying, in violent armed robberies. Lots of people blame the city's no or low-cash bail policies um, and uh, that that's the reason. Some of the increase is just because everybody was home in 2020. So you really have to compare with with 2019, I think, um, to get it right. Um, what are some suggestions you have? 888-528-2557. Jennifer in L.A. Welcome to Southern California Live.
1: Well, I can just basically tell you on what I, I heard from people that came out and visited me in the summer. I had my brothers and their kids come out, and then I had a good good friend that used to live in Los Angeles and moved to New York in the nineties. So okay. Basically, what I had heard was a couple different things. The prices outrageous in terms of the hotels. Mm. So um, I live towards Pasadena. And my brothers had to find a hotel closer to the West Covina area because of the amount of people that they had coming with them. And it was still expensive in that general area. Um, Also, they wanted to visit, you know, some of the amusement parks, and it was just really out of their budget. When we went to the beaches, they were uncomfortable with their kids because of the amount of homeless people. And my friend that used to live out here She was just flabbergasted at just how L.A. and the the whole area has changed. And she just said, even though she's from, she lives in New York, she felt that L.A. was dirtier and she felt more dangerous than where she is in Staten Island.
0: You know, I've been hearing that that a lot from people, actually, that they feel, and New York is having its problems, okay, and you see that in the news. But I have been hearing that people, as far as the feeling safe, that they feel safer in New York than they do in Los Angeles.
1: Yes, I heard the same thing. Because my brothers, one of them lives in New Jersey. The other one lives in Philadelphia. And I was surprised because none of them are, you know, they, they've been around crime and that element. But they felt very unsafe out here. My brothers cut their their trip short by two days and went back because it just was way too expensive
0: for them and their families. It's just too much. Yeah. It's, it's very expensive. All right, Jennifer, I think that you're right. It's gotten too expensive. I think that, um, the hotel tax, I think it's 14% in the city of Los Angeles, might be 12% in the, uh, in the County. And it is very expensive. I've been in a lot of hotels recently and I've looked around and I'm surprised. Uh, and I've, I check those costs a lot and I try to get the discount websites and things like that. And I'm surprised, uh, but a lot of it's the taxes and a lot of it is inflation. It's affecting the hotel rates. It affects the, uh, you know, the cost of the uh, free omelets that they're giving you that aren't really free down on the free breakfast. If you're lucky enough to get a real omelet maker down there who uh, I always forget they you should tip those people. And you know, it's, we're so cashless. I go down there, you know, in my, uh, well, I don't go down there in my pajamas. Usually some people do, uh, which is interesting. But I don't go down with my wallet generally, just my room key. I'm like, oh, I need to make you a a, a tip. I'll try to remember tomorrow. That's what I try to do. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Elvin from Glendale. What can we do about tourism and uh, the expense of coming to Southern California?
2: Oh, uh, well, are you hearing me okay from Glendora?
0: Uh, yeah, I had uh, Glendale, but you're in Glendora. Got to
2: go to Glendora, yes. All right. Uh, you know, I've lived, uh, I'm 65 and been living in California, not far from L.A. for 65 years, and I come from a uh, a law enforcement family background. And I'm a retired fire captain, now as a pastor, and I have many friends in, uh, who work for LAPD. And one of the couple of things that I see is that many of our police uh, officers in many areas throughout California are not able uh, to do their job. They're... Uh, uh, trying to uh, embrace uh, policies that are not uh, friendly to to victims, but they seem to protect uh, those who are the perpetrators of crimes. And secondly, we have too many DAs in California that are not prosecuting crime, and we're seeing a lot of things like these smash and grabs go on. And people see this, and they don't feel comfortable with it. And uh, then I also see the suppression of uh, this uh, these activities, you know, it, there's a the police officer to tell me they're not even writing up half the crimes that are going on because they know they're not going to be uh, prosecuted. So, you know, that that's my two cents.
0: Yeah, Eldon, I, I think I think that you're right about that. Thank you for your call. The crime is is a big deal. And, you know, I think that it's a common denominator. If you're not going to prosecute crime, then the crime is going to go up. That has made sense for thousands of years, by the way. That's just the way it gets, the way it is. And uh, there's definitely good questions about um, how we prosecute crime. Are sentences fair? There's a whole lot of different things that uh, need to be discussed and planned out. But the, the very weird thing that we're doing in some of our cities of just not prosecuting crime, not calling certain crimes um, violent, and especially crimes of theft, right, you can go in in San Francisco. It's just become a joke where you go in and clean out a CVS, take everything you want, and that's fine. There was a, a gas station up there or a mini mart, uh, person who owned it, and the rule, I guess, is that if you uh, steal $951, anything under $950, $50, it's a misdemeanor, and so you won't do any jail time. You really won't even get prosecuted. $950 is a lot, and uh, so he just prices everything in his store $951. So there is a you want a pack of uh, Hubba Bubba bubble gum? Well, it's nine hundred and fifty-one dollars. Now you can negotiate that at the counter when you pay. You can probably get that down to a buck and a half. I'm thinking, but that's the way he's feeling like he has to deal with it. That's crazy. It's it's the not prosecuting people is for sure a big part of the increase in crime. It just is and i understand that we got problems with sentencing and i understand that there's a lot of questions about how we do it but just to to not do it uh it is it's is just kind of ignorant i just don't understand that whole thing 8885282557 we've been talking about how um tourism could come back in southern california and uh you know here's the thing i think if you want to look at it in a little bit uh, deeper sense in a little bit of a sense of why should we care you know, maybe some of you are going. Ah, oh, why should we care about tourism in Southern California? The reason that we have to care is because it's jobs. Okay, it's how people make a living in our state. Tourism is a big deal in our state, not just the amusement parks, but the beach, uh, the weather, things that are just the part of our geography. Like I said, it it matters. And I think when we talk about these these things, and particularly as people who are believers in Jesus, one of the things I think that matters in our conversation about economic matters or politics or things like that is that we consider the people who are the brunt of it. See, when when there are fewer people coming to town and the hotels are so expensive and the crime rate is higher, so fewer people come to town, people lose their jobs and people in the service industry lose their jobs and restaurants go under and hotels go under and hotels get rid of... I'm, I'm curious if hotels are going to bring back maid service I'm curious, you know, because that's been gone because of the pandemic. Is that coming back? You know, maybe we don't really need people making our beds every day. But the thing is, is that if you travel a lot and you're in a hotel, that's somebody's job is that person, and that person gets laid off. And there's one argument to be made that says that person ought to be paid more, and there's definitely a good argument to make for that. But to give them no job at all is to pay them less, see, and that doesn't make any sense either. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Andre from Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live.
3: Uh, hi. I, I actually just wanted to comment on the whole, um, you know, get tough as it relates to crime. And, and I, I'm not a fan of uh, the, the current policy. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with Gascon, but by the same token, you know, 454 people were murdered. By LAPD while in police custody under our last uh, district attorney. Now is and
0: that so, true? Do we do we I know think, that statistic?
3: A- absolutely, we absolutely know it, and not one of it, not what? not one case was actually. One, no, actually, one case was actually prosecuted by
0: the GA's office. All right, so we only and, we only and, know as far as as far as murder, and I, I appreciate that conversation. But I can't find that. I'll look that up. But that's a lot of people. If you're going to say. Murdered. Do we just mean shot and we're assuming everybody's murdered? You know, where are we at? It's why
3: she actually lost the election, you know. And so I think, you know, it, it's a bit disingenuous to just, you know, kind of, you know, uh, blanket throw um, an argument as it relates to. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not a fan of Gascon. I actually have an issue with, you know, uh, people. I, I can't take my kids to the park. You know, but by the right. same token, I, I think the swing, the pendulum swings back and forth and goes to different extremes because of you know certain things like that, and, and and it's not that you actually have sensible solutions to actually people committed to actually
0: solving the problem. Yeah. All right, Andre, I gotta go. I got I gotta uh, end here in just a minute. I want to take one more call. I can't find the five, the four hundred fifty-four people murdered or even shot by the LAPD. So I'm not sure where that statistic comes from. Uh, and there does need to be some, some reforms in police. You're right. But, um, I would be careful about statistics like that. They get thrown around. I don't see it. And, and murdered is a, is different than shot, shot, accidentally shot in the, in the act of a crime. There's a whole lot of people who are, are justified that way. Uh, you know what, uh, I'm not going to get to this next call. I'm just out of time here. Let me try it real quick. Ted in L.A., can you do it in 20 seconds? Ted in L.A. Hello. Hi, Ted. You got 20 seconds.
3: This is Ted, City of the Angels. Uh, I mean, I'm a native, and to see people going down the freeway, um, walking on the side of the freeway. Today I've seen somebody in the middle uh, foraging around. I mean, it's just scary to see that kind of stuff. And why would anybody want to come into L.A.? It's like they won't even apprehend a homeless person that's walking on a freeway with their bike. Ted, I
0: got to go. I'm at, I'm at a hard break here. I appreciate your call. You know, I don't know that uh, it's uh, the homeless thing. I think you're right. It's a big deal, and we're not getting to it. We've had some conversation about that re- recently. It matters a lot. Hey, you're listening to the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We will be back after this break to talk about some other fun stuff in the news Right after this, don't go away.